spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SUPER24. Ready to set off on your captivating journey into the botanical world? NYBG's brand new online education program, Plant Studio, offers bite-sized courses tailor-made for you to pursue your passion as a budding plant person. Guided by professionals, dig into gardening, botany, floral design, landscape design, and more. Grow your skills with online learning your way. Register at nybg.org. Welcome to the Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. All right, let's see. How am I going to get into this? I think I shall get into this as follows. TC has a podcast. It comes out Thursdays. It is called TC After Dark. Tomorrow, she actually drops it, little known secret, in the wee hours of the morning, Thursday morning, meaning Wednesday night, but Thursday's the official drop date. This is correct. And I want you to listen to her podcast. Her podcast is the most important podcast (laughs) that emanates from anything in this studio. Your loyalty is noted and appreciated. Thank you. Because I never sought to have a podcast, as you know. I think part of the reason you didn't seek to have a podcast is that you felt like that was my domain. And there are so many podcasts that, of course, you should have a podcast. Well, I actually have two of them. Why not two? (laughs) I have two of them. And and I like them both. One of them is, is a daily piece of the radio program. The other one is really the apple of my eye. It is my book club podcast because I enjoy doing author interviews and I am sitting on a ton of great author interviews. In fact, today we dropped, yesterday actually, my 15th book club podcast. Okay? Listen listen to the author lineup. And again, we're dipping into the archives. These are not all very recent, as the list will make evident. We had initially released a John McCain hour-long interview that I did when he wrote a book called Character is Destiny. And then my interview, one of my many interviews with the legendary founder of the Vanguard group, the late, great Jack Bogle. Nelson DeMille, my favorite writer of fiction, his book Nightfall. Phil Knight, the co-founder of Nike. Comedian D.L. Hughley. Gene Becker, who was Bush 41's chief of staff after he left the White House. Ellie Honig, the prosecutor, who you see on CNN all the time talking about Bill Barr. Kitty Kelly. Yeah, that Kitty Kelly talking about Oprah. Edward Isaac Dover, who wrote a book about the 2020 campaign, and I elicited from him stories that no one else saw fit to bring to the airwaves. Carol Lennigan, Phil Rucker's bestseller, I Alone Can Fix It. David Axelrod, Believer, My 40 Years in Politics, fabulous memoir. Jake Tapper, but writing about fiction, The Devil May Dance. Jeffrey Archer, my second favorite writer of fiction. Uh, Peter Bergen, oh my gosh, the definitive book on the events of September 11, just released. But here's what we dropped yesterday. We dropped yesterday J.D. Vance, Hillbilly Elegy. 
J.D. Vance, who within the last 24 hours has tweeted, let, let me just take a look at some some of what you get in his Twitter feed. Quote, the we need to sacrifice together shtick might work in a country that wasn't ruled by people like Fauci. You don't get to appeal to the public's faith after you've destroyed it. Or he was responding to a tweet from Alex Weprin yesterday. Weprin said, inbox. The inspector general for the NSA is opening an investigation into claims the agency improperly targeted a member of the U.S. media, a.k.a. Tucker Carlson. J.D. Vance said, remember that asking questions about this is the same as believing dangerous conspiracies. J.D. Vance, uh, yesterday, Justin Wolfers, isn't he a Penn professor who's been a guest on this program? I think he was Penn. That's where he Maybe was now when he Chicago? was on here in either Chicago or Michigan, one or the other. So Wolfers says this, when anti-vaxxers rack up tens of thousands of dollars in hospital bills, who pays? Think about it. And you'll realize that their political positions are effectively being subsidized by members of insurance pools, taxpayers and the vaccinated. I've made that point. J.D. Vance's take on that was to say liberals have higher rates of mental illness. When are we going to stop subsidizing their political positions? Or responding to somebody talking about the protests in Portland, J.D. Vance says, I'm so sick of these dirty, violent people. It's a policy choice to allow some of our cities to be controlled by these scumbags. We made the decision and we can unmake it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. In other words, he is a very Trumpian type Republican these days, which raises interesting questions as to whether he's the same person who burst on the scene five years ago with his bestseller and memoir, Hillbilly Elegy. Because today he is a Trump supporting, you know, Tucker Carlson hosted talking head who has said that the big lie, the real big lie, is that January 6 was an insurrection. Trip Gabriel, writing for the New York Times uh, within the last couple of days, headline, J.D. Vance converted to Trumpism. Will Ohio Republicans buy it? And in similar fashion to what I've just shared with you, he goes through in detail and talks about the transformation or U-tune, you you listen to me, U-turn of J.D. Vance. Uh, a conservative author, venture capitalist, and graduate of the Yale Law School, Mr. Van- Mr. Vance presented himself, this is meaning when his book came out, as a teller of hard truths, writing personally about the toll of drugs and violence, a bias against education, and dependence on welfare. Rather than blaming outsiders, he scolded his own community. Quote, there is a lack of agency here, a feeling that you have little control over your life and a willingness to blame everyone but yourself. In interviews, meaning in the old days, he called Mr. Trump a cultural heroine and a demagogue leading the white working class to a very dark place. Today, as Mr. Vance pursues the Republican nomination for an open Senate seat in Ohio, he has performed a whiplash-inducing conversion to Trumpism in which he no longer emphasizes that white working-class problems are self-inflicted. Adopting the grievances of the former president, he denounces elites and the ruling class for robbing us blind, as he said in his announcement 
last month, now championing the hard right message that animate the Make America Great Again base, Mr. Vance has deleted inconvenient tweets, renounced his old views about immigration and trade, and gone from a regular guest on CNN to a regular on Tucker Carlson, echoing the Fox News hosts racially charged insults of immigrants as dirty. I must say, there's an interesting observation that Trip Gabriel makes further along in this profile of J.D. Vance. He says, um, although Mr. Vance's U-turn might strike some as too convenient in an era when voters quickly sniff out inauthenticity, inauthenticity, it is also true that his political arc resembles that of many Republicans who voted grudgingly for Trump in 2016, but after four years, cemented their support. And I thought that was a very astute observation by Trip Gabriel. That's typical of many Trump supporters. So part of my rationale in dropping this as my, and I release two book club offerings a week, one on Tuesday and one on Friday. And and believe me, very quickly, we are building one hell of an inventory of book clubs. But I wanted to tell you all that the reason that I've dropped J.D. Vance, that I asked Dan to cue it up, is because I thought it would be interesting to go back and listen to that. The, J.D. was on my program a couple of times, but to listen to the original interview and just kind of see what we make. Look, I'm, I'm not... Um, beyond or or above political transformation myself. In 1980, I registered to vote for the first time as a Republican, like my parents, and from 1980 through 2008, meaning up to but not including 2008, I voted exclusively for Republican candidates for president and then uh, voted for Barack Obama became an independent thereafter and never looked back. I always have voted for R's and D's, but I was a card-carrying, flag-waving Republican, and we can have on a different day, as we have many times, the conversation as to whether I changed or the Republican Party changed or both. So I'm not critical of J.D. simply for saying, oh, wow, you were here in 2015 when the book came out, or 2016, I guess, and here you are today because I'm subject to that same sort of criticism. I think that change is healthy. The question is whether there was change here for opportunism or whether he presented himself differently than he really was, uh, or maybe there's consistency. Maybe there's consistency. I don't know. Maybe this is who he always was. But if you listen to the Book Club podcast, perhaps you'll discern the answer. So I pulled a clip from the book club podcast from the book club interview. Uh, this is about a three minute clip from your uh, J.D. Vance original interview from July 15th, 2016. And I actually found part of it where you're talking about then candidate Trump. Would you like to take a listen? Absolutely. Okay, here we go. This is you with J.D. Vance in 2016. July, let me just let me just hold on now. It's July, July this of time 20, of year. Right. So mm-hmm. it's July of 2016. So Donald Trump is the nominee right. by this stage. Right. Okay. All right. I love it. I think what my book is, is trying to do, there is a sociological element of it. I do rely on academic studies to make some of the arguments that I make. But at core, what I'm what I'm trying to do is explain how a given group of people think, how the culture processes certain information, and frankly, why there's a lot of anger and disaffection, and why, you know, at the end of the day, 
Um, I didn't know that that anger and disaffection would take the form that it has, but I I can't tell you I'm surprised, coming where I'm from, that Donald Trump is is the Republican Party nominee. Because as I write in the book, this is going to come out some way. This this anger and this disaffection and this mistrust of elites, it's going to manifest itself in some way, and here we are. Well, somewhere, either in the essay or in the book itself, you, I don't, I don't, I uh, can't find my place now, but you made the observation, drawn from polling data that I'm familiar with, that his evangelical support is largely predicated on self-describes who don't go to church. Yeah, that's exactly right, and it's a really interesting phenomenon. If you actually break down evangelicals by regular churchgoers versus non-churchgoers, so the folks who just say, yeah, I'm an evangelical, but I don't actually participate much in religious service. The folks who aren't going to church are the, the biggest supporters of Donald Trump, mm-hmm. and those who are regularly going to church, they're voting for different candidates. You know, they were voting for Rubio or Cruz or Kasich, and I think that's a really fascinating insight into the lives of these people, that those who are part of a religious community, those whose lives are in some ways intact, are not supporting Donald Trump, and I, I think there are lessons to take from that. Well, a final question for J.D. Vance. Then why has this support for the white church, for lack of a better descriptor, dropped off? I mean, is it because the church leadership has been hijacked, had their role usurped? You point out that that now the most important institution of our lives, if it exists at all, encourages us to point a finger at faceless elites in Washington. Who or what is to blame for that? So I think it's extraordinarily complicated. I think that, that part of it is just the rise of the megachurch as an institution, which you know may be good in some ways, but at the end of the day doesn't provide the sort of community support and the local, uh, the local group that, that uh, older institutions and older churches provided. I think a big part of it is that the church is becoming extraordinarily political. So it's, it's hard to sit in a modern evangelical church these days unless you're a very devout Christian conservative. Um, you know, as someone who is both a Christian and somewhat conservative, um, I, I think I understand the appeal of that message, but it also can be very alienating for people. So there are a lot of, and there are a lot of other factors, I think, at work here, but I, I do think that the politicization of the Church and the deinstitutionalization of the Church, the fact that it's moved online, on, on TV, and into megachurches are, are two really big explanations. So what do you think, TC? I, I hear a deep thinker. Oh, so I, I mean, see a so smart rich. guy. Yes. I don't hear anything in that clip that says, oh, this is a different person, as far as I know, than is running for the U.S. Senate from Ohio today. Yeah, but I don't hear someone calling people dirty or lying or you see what I'm saying? So, Oh, oh I definitely, um, to go back to, uh, you know, liberals have higher rates right. just in the last 24 hours, right. mind you. Right. Just in the last 24 hours. I, I don't see someone who would say liberals have higher rates no. of mental illness because at the time, who was buying the book? Liberals, with or without mental illness. Well, and I also, I heard uh, uh, him a bit distancing himself, these people, that church. So he's not identifying as much with that that base as I think he is now, which I found interesting. The other thing that I really heard in that interview, frankly, 
is your Sharpie. <laughs> well, that hasn't changed. So if you, I don't know if people if people changed. noticed that, but that was legit from 2016. So when you hear the podcast, if you go back and you want to listen to the whole J.D. Vance interview, definitely keep a listen to Michael taking copious notes. So J.D. Vance is running for the United States Senate from the great state of Ohio. Meanwhile, running for governor of California, as I've been discussing Larry Elder raising a similar question of is Larry today the same man he has been in his case on the air? Ah, what do I mean by that? Well, the L.A. Times today, and this is linked at Smirconish.com, James Rainey Sema Meta, I think is the pronunciation headline. Larry Elder's outspoken conservative radio rhetoric is under scrutiny in recall election. Remember the quick history as it relates to me. He was a guest of mine on CNN on Saturday. And when I introduced him, I introduced him as a conservative talk radio host and Trump supporting Republican. He took umbrage with that and said that that was kind of unfair because he supports all Republicans who run for president and has done so since Jimmy Carter. And we went back and forth on that. I didn't mean it as a pejorative. I was really just trying to set the table for a conversation. I was looking to have a conversation with Larry Elder as to what is it that Gavin Newsom has done that warrants being thrown out of office in one month's time, because to me, recall is akin to impeachment. Anyway, he was my guest on Saturday on on CNN, so I've got Larry Elder on the brain, and I'm intrigued by what's going on in California in this election. Forty-some candidates are running. It's a two-question ballot. You know, do you want to dump Gavin Newsom? And if the answer is yes by a majority, you go to question two, who won among 40-some candidates, they'll win with a plurality. Larry Elder at the top of the heap, at least thus far. And so he could conceivably replace Gavin Newsom in one month's time. It's really rather amazing because if it were a Gavin Newsom, Larry Elder, or any other Republican, no Republican in California as it's currently politically constituted is going to win. I mean, it's just it's just not the competitive statewide election that it has been in the past. So might there be a Republican opportunity to kind of slip in the door here with 18% of the vote? So now comes the LA Times. This was inevitable. And of course, I take particular interest in this because I can't help but think, how would this apply to me? Here's the story. He has on occasion fueled skepticism of climate change, depicting global warming as a crock and a myth. He has said the medical establishment and professional victims exaggerate the dangers of secondhand smoke. He offered no pushback when a doctor last month called into his nationally syndicated radio show to suggest COVID-19 vaccines were dangerous and didn't object when the physician implied that Bill Gates might have backed the experimental immunizations as a form of population control. Uh, Larry Elder created a platform for those views in a media career spanning more than 30 years epitomizing the convention-defying persona that has helped him seemingly leapfrog other candidates in the race to replace California Governor Gavin Newsom in next month's recall election. I I am sure, I am sure that, and, and the story suggests that his record now as a talk show host, author of books, newsletters, social media pronouncements are being scrutinized. Gavin Newsom has a ton of cash, and I'm sure that to the extent Larry Elder maintains his position 
a lot of that money is going to get spent trying to take him down a couple of pegs by focusing on his words and deeds over the span of that 30-year career. So I read this story and I say to myself, hmm, how would I fare if that standard were applied to me? Because in my case, yes, 30 years of radio. Although I'm the only one in possession with most of the tapes, I, and, I, and not even I have all of them. But could you go through, if you theoretically had my three decades as a talk radio host, could you go through and embarrass me? Easily done, right? Easily. E- oh, what, wait a minute. What are you agreeing over there with? With, with two hands tied behind my back. <laughs> what? Are you kidding me? Like, challenge me. But, but, Michael, you wrote a whole book about it. Right. Well, no. So here's my record. My record would be 30 years of radio tapes, theoretically, in the abstract. Nobody has 30 years of my tapes, not even me. Um, all my books, right? All of the books that, that, I ha- that I have authored, seven different books, or is it eight different books? But all those books, there are things that I've written in those books that I no longer agree with. Right. You're, you're not going to find me saying things like liberals have more mental illness a la J.D. Vance. But are there things? Of course there are. Um, 1,047 columns, eight years as the host of my own show on CNN and a guest any number of times on everybody else's show from, you know, real time with Bill Maher to The View to The Today Show, you know, fill in the blank. Tons and tons and tons of, of, of tape. The one the thing I don't and, and by the way, I think it would be fair to say you said this, is that your view kind of thing? I, I wouldn't run from any of it. Just give me a time to explain what might have been in my head at the time. I've often said, TC, that what distinguishes me from everybody else is there's a record out there of my opinion. So, But you also have owned your changes in opinion. Oh, definitely. I mean, that, that's... Which I think, I mean, so I would be interested to see... Now, I mean, this, some of this Larry Elder stuff is recently. Like that, yes. I mean, obviously, that the things on the vaccines, et cetera, well, that's but, problematic. But, okay, but, to, your, to your point, my, my most recent book, Clowns to the Left of Me, Jokers to the Right, American Life of Columns, it was me selecting 100 columns from the 1,047 that I wrote, and then adding an afterword for each and and doing exactly what we're discussing. Well, and I can picture you still on, my view. I can picture you on stage with your American Life and Columns tour with flashing a slide with a particular headline up there, holding your hand over your face and saying, yeah. what does that even mean? True. <laughs> True. May I, may I say something in defense of Larry Elder? Not having not, not having heard the the uh, the tape because I, you know, I do. I believe. Let me be very clear. Do I believe that Larry Elder should be held accountable for opinions he has expressed and that those opinions should define him? Yes, I do. Should he be given an opportunity to explain them? Yes, he should. The 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 part of the story that I, I as a talk radio host, I come to his defense is this. He offered no pushback. When a doctor last month called into his nationally syndicated radio show to suggest that COVID-19 vaccines were dangerous and didn't object when a physician implied Bill Gates might have backed experimental immunization as population control. That sounds like some wacky stuff that if Larry Elder, unless Larry Elder believes that, if Larry Elder is on his game, Larry Elder needs to be sitting behind the microphone and say, whoa, 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 what are you talking about here? Right. And push back on the guy. Um, I will just say that sometimes stuff happens. In studio, sometimes people you call me and you'll say, hey, that caller three calls ago, you let her get away with this. You let him say that and you didn't push back. And candidly, sometimes I got to go to the head.
And sometimes I have a commercial and I'm and it's uh oh, this is a new script. I, I should have read this before the show. And sometimes I'm looking down at the next call. Like distractions legit. If you heard the call and you engaged the caller, like if somebody calls me and says Bill Gates um, engaged in uh, in population control for immunization, I, I think I'd say like, like, what the hell are you talking about? Right. But I'm allowing him some slack for something that just might get by you. I don't know. I haven't heard the tapes and I don't listen to Larry Elder's show. So there you go. J.D. Vance and Larry Elder. That's both, a lot. Yeah, both running for office and, and both being held accountable for their their public domain record. I love it. Yeah. I love it. A lot of words out there. I think that's the lesson. A lot of words out there. Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Michael Smirconish for Independent Minds. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Superlight Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Ready to set off on your captivating journey into the botanical world? NYBG's brand new online education program, Plant Studio, offers bite-sized courses tailor-made for you to pursue your passion as a budding plant person. Guided by professionals, dig into gardening, botany, floral design, landscape design, and more. Grow your skills with online learning your way. Register at nybg.org.